hear the word of God. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there and while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying, listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. If you have ears, here. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come, to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Nearly 30 years ago, during my first visit to Israel, we were touring the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, and our mission there was to view pieces of the Dead Sea Scrolls as well as artifacts from the time of Jesus. But I had fallen behind the group, story of my life, and took a wrong turn, story of my life, and ended up in a room that housed a collection of Impressionist paintings. Now, I am no art aficionado, so in a very real sense, not only was I in the wrong room, I wasn't even quite sure what I was looking at. All I knew was that my eyes had fallen upon a painting that arrested me. It was a painting I could not stop looking at. I'm not sure how to explain it, but maybe you've had somewhat of a similar experience that your eye catches something, a piece of art, a piece of nature, a landscape, a vista, and it so captures you, you don't want to stop looking. Well, this painting that had stopped me dead in my tracks in the wrong room was painted by a French Impressionist named Camille Pissarro. Many of you know that name, but at the time I didn't know the name and not even much about Impressionism, some but not much. The painting's name is Sunset at Erhany, and the image in your, on your bulletin does not do it much justice. The sun sets low in the sky, but high enough that it still glows in a brilliant yellow. And the way Pissarro paints the sun, it almost leaps off the canvas. It was this sun that captured me, and I did not want to turn my gaze. Finally, I was startled out of my trance by another member of the group coming back to reclaim me. It wasn't until weeks later that I reflected upon this experience of having been arrested by this beautiful piece of art. And I got to thinking about how remarkable it was and is that a man 100 years before took his easel canvas palette out onto the French countryside and had an idea to paint this beautiful scene. But he didn't just have an idea. He didn't just say, wow, well, maybe someday I'll paint this scene, but allowed for the idea to be through him a creative expression. He took his paints and brushes and transposed the idea, the vision, the scene onto the canvas in front of him. 
And in doing this, not having any idea that a young Presbyterian minister from halfway around the world, a hundred years later, would stumble upon it in Jerusalem and be held prisoner by it. But there I stood before one Camille Pissarro who allowed what was in him and what was around him to be turned into something that would affect another human being and not just one human being, but likely thousands and millions. Dorothy Sayers in her great book, The Mind of the Maker, suggests to us that God the creator is a God who never stops creating and that the way God creates today is that God implants into human beings like us a vision of how God sees the world and God gives us the opportunity to join him in that vision by using what God has given us to express that vision so that others will then be arrested by it, transformed by it, captured by it. When the poet Robert Frost traversed the New England countryside and noticed two paths diverging in a wood, the idea began in his heart and soul and eventually bled through his pen onto paper, and you and I wonder a hundred years later about the road less traveled. When Michelangelo read the story of Jesus' crucifixion and imagined through it, Imagine it through the eyes of Mary, Jesus' mother, the implanted idea extended into his arm and chisel, and what emerged out of the marble was one of the great pieces of religious art, the Pieta, the figure of Mary holding across her lap her son, the crucified and lifeless Jesus. When Samuel Barber sat to read the poetry of Rome's great poet Virgil, he felt inside him moving a vision, and the vision made its way to pen and notes and composition, and what flowed was adagio for strings, one of the great universal anthems played at the funerals of heads of state and times of national mourning. When Martin Luther King Jr. stood at the edge of the National Mall in 1963 and delivered his I Have a Dream speech, what that nation saw was a man in whom was planted a vision of how God saw the world, and this man took what gifts he had to express that vision to others, and in that expression led others to be captured by it, transformed by it. When Jesus tells a story about the sower and the seed, at first glance, it just seems to be a simple story about farming and gardening. Person goes out to plant a field and she casts some seed. She casts some seed quite liberally such that the seed falls on all sorts of soils. Some soils reject the seed. Some soils choke the seed. Some soils just don't give the seed much chance. But there's one soil, the good soil, that allows the seed to penetrate, to germinate, to gestate, to grow, and the miracle of of life occurs when the seed, barely larger than the point of a pencil, grows to become stalks and branches and fruit 30, 60, and 100 times, and with a thousand, maybe a million more seeds to cast to the wind. It is a miracle unfolding before us every day, so much so that we don't see it really as much of a miracle anymore. But a miracle it is. The Creator, with this vision of what can be, starts, starts it all with something small, just a seed. And there's no telling what can begin with a seed. It's all something we learned in grade school, the miracle of the seed. 
James Mishner's classic historical novel, Hawaii, the great storyteller begins the tale at the very beginning, the very beginning of how those beautiful islands came into being, that after the volcanoes below and the glaciers above conspired to raise a molten surface above the sea level, Mishner imagines a day when upon this barren, barren rock lands a bird, some tropical bird, and from some previous vegetative feast, this bird happens to bear inside a seed or two left over from the digestion of some exotic plant. The seeds then are deposited on, and one manages to trickle down into a crevice where there's just enough soil into which it embeds, and the rain and the sun do their part, and the seed germinates, a plant grows, seeds form at the end of the stalks, the wind scatters the seed to other crevices, and before you know it, you have the tropical paradise of Hawaii. The history of Florida has the very same history. Something big starts with something small. One of the points, I suppose, of Jesus' story. But it's not until later that Jesus tells us that the seed is just another way of thinking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is all about the idea of God, the idea that God has about the world, of how beautiful the world is and how beautiful the world can be, and that this creator God is always looking for the chance to plant within you and me the idea of how this world could be and waits for us to apply what gifts we have to allow the seed to penetrate and germinate and gestate and grow and bear fruit in the world. Every single human being is a garden of God. And God keeps casting God's seed, keeps casting and casting and casting idea after idea after idea, vision after vision after vision of what the world could be and waits with bated breath whether we will take up the seed and let it grow. Some would say that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and with them, the seed dies. Some would say that it's every man out for himself, and with them, the seed dies. Some would say that it's not worth the risk to help the world, and with them, the seed dies. And some would say, that the Creator has me here for a reason. And the Creator has shown me a vision, has planted inside of me a seed. And my job is to find a way for that seed to penetrate and, and germinate and gestate and grow. Jesus says that every human being is a garden of God. Father Gregory Boyle, who has given his life over to ministry to gang members in East Los Angeles. He was here several years ago. He tells a story about one of those gang members, a young man named Anthony, whose parents have descended into a life of drugs and prison time, abandoning him to live inside now by himself a broken down car and to sell drugs so that he can afford an occasional meal at McDonald's. And Father Boyle, who believes that every human being is a garden of God, wonders with Anthony, what would he want to be if he was ever given the chance? And maybe because a broken down car has been his home for too long, Anthony dreams that maybe someday, maybe someday, he could be an auto mechanic. But he doesn't know a wrench from a screwdriver. But because Anthony is a garden of God, Father Boyle goes to his mechanic, his crusty old mechanic named Dennis, 
and pleads for Dennis to take Anthony under his wing, plant some seed, nurture the dream. And Dennis very reluctantly says that he'll do whatever he can. So Dennis tills the soil and he plants the seed and teaches Anthony everything he knows. And out of this good soil comes a young man who now serves the neighborhood with his mechanical gifts, replacing points, rebuilding carburetors. And now Anthony bears fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Anthony has come to discover that he, like every good car mechanic, is worth his weight in gold. Every human being is a garden of God. Father Boyle writes, there is a longing in all of us to be God-enthralled, so enthralled to those hundreds down in their disgrace in the shadows of death, we become transparent messengers of God's own tender mercy. We want to be seized, he continues, by that same tenderness. We want to bear the largeness of God. We want to bear the largeness of God, which I suppose is the point of what Jesus is saying, that the seed, this largeness of God, and, and, and would that, that seed would bear the largeness of God within us. Bear that vision that God has for the world. Bear the imagination that out of me might come 30, 60, and 100 fold, that my life might become a paradise for others. Laura Hillenbrand tells the amazing story of Louis Zamperini in her book, Unbroken, gifted with very fast legs. Louis qualified and competed along with Jesse Owens in the 1936 Berlin Olympics, dazzling the crowds, including even one Adolf Hitler. But just a few years later, he found himself fighting Hitler as a bombardier in the US Army Air Corps. Due to mechanical difficulty, his plane went down in the Pacific and he and two other surviving members were left for dead floating in the sea. No one survives that kind of ordeal for more than a few days, but Louis and one of the other two who survived for 33 days until they were captured by the Japanese and that's when things got bad. Louis Zamperini suffered terrible punishment by the guards who beat them to within an inch of his life. But then came the end of the war and Louis returned, but that's when things got really bad and PTSD led Louis into a pit of depression and drinking and thinking that his life was over, that this was how it was gonna end, broken in every way. But broken soil can be good soil and every human being is a garden of God. Badgered by his wife, Louis agrees to see this evangelist who's come to town, one Billy Graham, and something happens that night the sea falls and penetrates and germinates and gestates and grows and the grace of God heals the broken soldier and gives him a mission to be an ambassador of reconciliation, to be an ambassador of forgiveness. He travels back to Japan and forgives his captors face to face and commits his life to a life of of speaking to tens of thousands of youth and adults about the power of God's forgiveness, the power of God's love, bearing the largeness of God, the fruit from the seed, bearing 30, 60, 100-fold. Every human being is a garden of God, and if you count yourself a human being, that means you. 
And, and, some, and a somebody God never made a nobody person. And maybe that's what I saw yesterday, walking around this campus, seeing hundreds and hundreds of children, scores of families, seas of volunteers, all gardens of God, all somebody people, all with a dream that God has for them, getting ready for school, getting ready to learn, getting ready to grow, getting ready to bear fruit, doing what God has always imagined for us, neighbor helping neighbor, starting up a new creation, being the, bearing the largest of God, creating a paradise where all can thrive, imagining a day a hundred years from now when somebody might see the canvas we painted, the marble we sculpted, the poem we wrote, the symphony we played, and were captured and compelled to grow the seed themselves and build again the paradise God has always dreamt for you and for me and for all.